we're continuing our series, And He Will Be, where we're looking at the names of God, because God's names tell us something about His character and about His actions. And so far, we've learned that God is the mighty or supreme one, and that He also is peace. And today, we're looking at the name Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh Jireh, which means the Lord will provide, or the Lord will see to it. And this name of God comes up in a story in the Bible, which some of you might be quite familiar with. It's the story where Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Now, before we look at that story, I want to tell you three things to know and remember about Abraham. The first is that God shows Abraham. God shows Abraham for a specific purpose and mission. And God tells Abraham to leave his country, leave his people, and leave his family to go to a specific place God tells him. The second thing is that God makes a promise to Abraham. He promises to bless him and to use him to start a great nation, making his name great and using Abraham to be a blessing to others and ultimately a blessing to the whole world. So God chooses Abraham, God makes a promise to Abraham. And the third thing, is that Abraham's struggles and doubts help him to produce a great faith in God because he sees that God fulfills his promise to him to be with him and to keep him on track when he goes off track. So as we remember these things, I want you to also remember that Isaac, his son, is this long awaited son that God had promised Abraham some time ago. So we're gonna start by reading Genesis 22, so it's 22, 1 through 14. So it says, after these things, God tested Abraham's faith. God said to him, Abraham, and he answered, here I am. Then God said, take your only son, Isaac, the son you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Kill him there and offer him as a whole burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey. He took Isaac and his two servants with him. After he cut the wood for the sacrifice, they went to the place to which God had told them to go. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey. My son and I will go over there and worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the sacrifice and gave it to his son to carry, but he, but he himself took the knife and the fire. So he and his son went together. Isaac and his father Abraham, or sorry, Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, Abraham said, Yes, my son. Isaac said, We have the fire and the wood, but there's a lamb, but where is the lamb we will burn as a sacrifice? Abraham answered, God will give us the lamb for the sacrifice, my son. So Abraham and his son went on together and came to the place God had told him about. Abraham built an altar there. He laid the wood on it and then tied up his son Isaac and laid him on the wood on the altar. Then Abraham took his knife and was about to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham answered, yes. And the angel said, don't kill your son or hurt him in any way. Now I see that you trust God and that you have not kept your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a bush by its thorn, sorry, its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and killed it. He offered it as a whole burnt offering to God, and his son was saved. So Abraham named that place, The Lord Provides. Even today, people say, On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. 
Through the process of unpicking this story a bit, I want to help us learn two things. First of all, the Lord God is our ultimate provider. He is Yahweh Yireh. And the second is that the followers of Lord, the Lord God are called to walk by faith. So as we start with this first, realize this first point, realizing that Yahweh is our ultimate provider. This story starts with God asking Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice or as a gift back to God. Now, you may be asking yourself, why would God want Abraham to kill someone, specifically Abraham's son, who God had promised Abraham for so long? Remember, Isaac is the promised son, the one who would ensure God's promise to Abraham was fulfilled. And you may be thinking that this request doesn't really seem to fit with the all-loving and kind God that we know. In fact, in other stories we actually read in the Bible, we know that God hates human sacrifices. So what's happening here in this story then? How does God's request match up with God's character? The key here is in verse 2, where God asks Abraham to offer Isaac. And we know from verse 1 that God is testing Abraham's faith. And in the end of the story, we see that God is actually has a plan to provide a substitute sacrifice for Isaac. But the first step is to see whether Abraham genuinely trusts God enough to do as he asks. So the next question you might be asking then is, why is God testing Abraham? Now remember, Abraham has had lots of wobbles over time since God made the specific promise to him. He, early on, wasn't sure that he'd actually had a son, have a son because he was rather old when God made this promise to him, and so was his wife. And at one point along the way, his wife convinced Abraham to have a child with her servants. And then at two points along the way, Abraham lied about his wife being his wife, saying she was his sister. So all along the way, Abraham was doing these things that were kind of things showing he wasn't trusting in God. But despite these mistakes, God still plans to use Abraham for the specific purpose to make a great nation. Now, this nation becomes Israel, and he ultimately is going to use Abraham, this great nation Israel, to bless the whole world, including us. So God here provides Abraham another opportunity to take a step of faith, to trust in God's promises, to do what God asks him to do. And God uses this opportunity so that Abraham can finally know that God's provision alone will save him. You see, God knew that he would not actually have Abraham sacrifice Isaac. How do you know this? How, sorry, how do I know this, you ask? Because God knew Isaac could not pay the price for sin or to fulfill God's rescue plan. Only someone else could. But this story happens quite early on in the Bible, the beginning, really, and it's foreshadowing a story that's going to happen a lot further along in the Bible. Perhaps you've already guessed that this story sounds really familiar to another father giving his one and only son as a sacrifice to others. And that, that story is the story of Jesus. Jesus being sacrificed on a cross for the sins of the world in order that God fulfills his rescue plan to enable humans to be in relationship with God again forever. Now, when you think of God being our ultimate provider, does this alone motivate you to give him worship and praise and thanksgiving 
for the mere fact that he's provided the solution so that you and I could be in relationship with him forever. But on top of that, our loving, kind, generous God continues to give us so many other blessings as well. Many of us have families, friends, our church community, schools to learn in, food to eat, nice things to enjoy. These two are all gifts from God, our provider. And just like Abraham, we are asked to trust and obey God for who he is more than just for the good gifts he gives us. We're continually asked to love him as the gift giver and not just love the gifts. Now I'd like to share a little illustration with you that slightly fits, but mostly highlights my fantastic cat training skills. You see, I taught this cat, Chairman, to high five during lockdown. It was rather boring, eh? It's a bit of a mission for me to actually get him to high five though, when I ask him. But if I provide him some dreamy cat snacks, he will do whatever I ask. Have a look. Chairman, high five. High five. Chairman. Oh. <laughs> Chairman, high five. Chairman. High five. Thank you. Wow, Chairman. Look out. <laughs> Look at this. Look at this. High five. Ouch. Thank you. So my hope with this first point is that you recognize how amazing our God is, that he is our ultimate provider, that he has given the most met our most significant need that we could ever have when Jesus paid the price for our wrongdoings on the cross and made a way for us to be in relationship with him now and forever. Romans 8.32 tells us that, that's Romans 9, Romans 8.32 tells us, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So when Jesus, so with Jesus, God will surely give us all things. So whatever need you're facing or desire you want and wonder whether God will provide, take heart and know that your greatest need has already been met through Jesus's death and resurrection in order that you might be in relationship again with God now and through eternity. Which brings me to the second point. Because the Lord God is our ultimate provider, as followers of the Lord God, we are called to walk by faith. Now, did you notice in the story that Abraham doesn't question God? He doesn't even stop and think, but God, how are you gonna make me a great nation if I sacrifice my only son? No, verse three tells us that he gets up the next morning, saddles his donkey and goes. So Abraham stepped out in faith in obedience to what God asked him to do. He took all that he needed to build the altar and planned to go ahead with sacrificing Isaac. And did you, you notice in um, verse five that he tells the two servants that he and Isaac were going to worship and that we will come back to you? Abraham was committed to following through with what God asked him and confident that God would provide and make a way for him. See, Hebrews 11, 17 and 9 through 19 give us a bit more insight into Abraham's thinking here. 
It says, it was by faith that Abraham, when God tested him, offered his son Isaac as a sacrifice. God made the promises to Abraham, but Abraham was ready to offer his own son as a sacrifice. God had said, the descendants I promised you will be from Isaac. Abraham believed that God could raise the dead. And really, it was as if Abraham got Isaac back from death. Abraham so trusted God's promise that he would have more descendants through his son Isaac, the one he was asked to sacrifice, that Abraham even thought God could raise Isaac from the dead if he sacrificed him. Abraham was confident that Isaac would ultimately live because he trusted the promise God had made him. And this is so significant in Abraham's time because there weren't other examples of God raising someone from the dead. So Abraham had faith that God could do something that Abraham had never actually seen before. And this is part of what faith is, isn't it? Believing in something you cannot see. In fact, Hebrews 1.11, sorry, 11.1 tells us faith means being sure of the things we hope for and knowing that something is real, even if we don't see it. Abraham had faith and trust in God, even though he could not see God, but was sure that God would fulfill his promises. Now, faith is made up of belief, trust, and action. Belief is based on examining evidence and concluding that God is who he says he is and has done and is doing what he says he'll do. Trust is having com personal confidence in the evidence that you've already found to be true. And the third thing, action, is taking personal involvement. So letting our belief and trust in God change what we actually do. So living by faith is believing and trusting in who God says he is and what he has done and says he'll do. And taking steps in our lives to live the way that God asks us to live. Now, before you start to worry that God's going to ask you to offer your future child as a sacrifice on an altar, remember... He won't because your child cannot pay the sacrifice Jesus paid. But Romans 12.1 tells us that all who believe in Jesus should offer our lives as a living sacrifice. This tells us to use our lives as worship to God. So it does matter what we do in and with our lives. Not because we're trying to work our way to be being right with God. Because if we have faith in Jesus, we're already made right with God but because we are praising God and giving thanks to God with our whole lives. Now you might be thinking, fair enough, Hannah, I agree with what you're saying. I want to live my life walking by faith, but what does it actually look like? Good news, guys, I've got a map. Have you ever noticed in the Bible that God can be pretty specific yet vague all at the same time? Now, looking back in this story specifically, in Genesis 22 too, Abra sorry, God tells Abraham, go to Moriah on a mount I will show you. And at other points, he says to Abraham, go to a land I will show you. He so often gives a rather specific yet vague plan of what to do. And so often we want God to tell us the whole plan so we know exactly what we're doing. So if we're starting here and trying to get here, we want God to tell us, go here, turn left, go right, go down this street and keep going. Go down the little road here, up and over and down, oh, back this way and over, and now you're there. But the point is not just doing what God wants us to do in life, 
The point is doing life with God and through his power. If he gave us the whole plan from the beginning, we wouldn't actually need God in our day to day. And we guys are on a journey with God. And the good news is those who have faith in God, we already know our final destination is over here with God. And the other bit of the good news is that God is with us through all of these streets and turns and backups and, and keeping going. And he's walking with us hand in hand along the way, not giving us a one-time order at the beginning of which roads to take to get to the end, but he's leading us, guiding us, and continuing to provide for us along the way. So sometimes it might be clear that you're on the journey and you think, yes, clearly I'm gonna go left on this street. And that might look like in your future, you're, you're picking a specific sick form to go to or college, or you know that I'm clearly, it's really important I'm friends with this group of people. Or actually today, I feel really prompted by God to say something to this person about my faith. But other days of the week or other times in life, you may be continuing on your journey and you get to a crossroad and you're like, I literally don't know how to, if I should go left or if I should go right. And maybe that's something in the future about like, what specific job should I have? Or where should I live? Or what do I do now that all my friends have moved away and I need to make new friends? And you're wondering, is left better or is right better? And in those days, in those times, you get to take steps of faith. You get to take steps of faith knowing that God is with you and he's there as you're praying and seeking direction. And ultimately, if you know your ultimate destination is with God over here, and that he's with you along the way, doesn't it make it feel so much easier to walk in faith? And know this guys, that God cares much more about the decision maker, that's you, than he actually, than he cares about the decisions you make because he's more interested in who you're becoming. And remember, he's the God of all outcomes. He's able to work any decision um, that we make. We've seen that in Abraham's good decisions and bad decisions, haven't we? And guys, as I wrap up, I'm going to end with reminding us that those who believe in God have been chosen by God. We have promises to us made by God that he's with us and that we'll be with him forever. And actually, as we live our life, making decisions, taking steps of faith, we're growing in our own faith and confidence in God. So I'll leave you with one last question. What step of faith are you going to take next?